Well, today we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, it's the only place, as I said, when I went to Israel um, 21 years ago, uh, just right before 9-11 happened. We were there in April of 2001, and, uh, it, and it was very hot there, I will tell you that. And, um, but, you know, we went to the, the side of the, of the tomb, and there's only a sign that says, He is risen. It doesn't say Jesus Christ, A.D. 0 or whatever, you know, to, to A.D. 32. Here He lies. Here lies the body of a prophet. No, he was, he's risen from the dead. And now you, you won't find his bones. He's alive. And so Jesus actually talked much about the resurrection himself. But you know, his disciples couldn't see it. Many times you would have things happen and the Bible would say, then they remembered the words that the Lord had spoken after the fact, after he had risen from the dead. But when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus I mean, there's so many angles we could hit for, for, for a message today. But you could, you could talk about just the death. You could talk about the burial. You could talk about the resurrection. But the resurrection is the foundation of the gospel. With no resurrection, there is no life. If Jesus would have just died, then salvation would not be complete. It would be just like any other dead religion. But I want to I just share a few scriptures just as a foundation. Matthew 16 and verse 21. Matthew 16 and 21. The Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So we see Jesus starting to tell his disciples, hey, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm basically, I'm born to die. I'm on a mission and I'm, I'm going to be raised up and come back and live forever. Amen. The Bible says, look over in um, chapter 17. Verse 22, the Bible says this, And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. Well, they could just only see the natural. This was the best thing that ever happened to them, was Jesus coming into their life. And now all of a sudden, all they know is the fact that he's not going to be here anymore. What's he talking about, that he's going to die? What, what's... What's this all about? Even when you see in the, the Bible talks about the two going down um, the road of Emmaus. And the Bible says that the two disciples were talking and they said, don't you know what's happened? And, and, he's, and Jesus asked, why are you of a sad countenance today? You know, you need to ask believers that. Why are you of a sad countenance? And they said, well, because of Jesus of Nazareth. He's been crucified by the religious leaders. And then Jesus starts sharing the scriptures with them. And at the end, then they say, oh, why don't you come and stay with us? So Jesus is there in a resurrected body, and he, he sits down to eat. I, I know a lot of people are glad that in a, in a, in a resurrected body, they're still going to be able to eat. 
Amen. And so they eat, and then Jesus starts sharing the scriptures and, and all the scriptures that testify him. And then he, their eyes are opened. But Jesus rebuked them for the hardness of heart. But then they said, did not his word burn within us? But Jesus, all the scriptures testified of him and what he was born to do. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 1 says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Jesus calls himself the Son of God and also the Son of Man. One, of course, referring to his divinity, one to his humanity. <clears throat> and then over in John chapter 12. John chapter 12 in verse 23. Jesus answered them, said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you that except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, let him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Jesus knew exactly what his purpose was. You know, we see over in the book of Acts, when the Bible says, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons of the Father. And then he went on to talk about, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. But at this point, it wasn't time. Notice what he says. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. See, sometimes when the voice of God speaks, some people just think it thundered. Some people know it's the Lord. Some people say, well, you know, that was just, what was that? Some people can hear the same thing. People can be in a church service like this. One can be touched and the other can be bored. The other can be radically transformed and the other, oh, that was, you know, that was a good word. You know, that's, Amen. It's just, it depends on the person, how hungry they are. Hallelujah. The father says, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people said, it thundered. Others said, an angel spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. It's amazing. In John 17, remember, Jesus was praying. He said, I'm not praying this for me. I'm just praying this so you can hear and, you know, because he knew that the Father answered every one of his prayers. The voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He's talking about Satan. And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. We also know that's a principle today, though. As we lift up Jesus, as we lift him up, then he's going to draw all people to himself. The role, 
the role of any person that, that is a disciple of Jesus is always to lift Jesus up. It's always to lift him up. It's not to, to pat yourself on the back and say, look what we've done. It's always to defer to Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And so everything Jesus did, he did for us, for our sakes. Can you say amen? amen? So I want to share this morning about Jesus, our substitute. Jesus, our substitute. Everything he did in death, burial, and resurrection, he did for me. Why? Because we were lost without a Savior. We needed a substitute. One who could pay the price for my sin. And there was only one. It was Jesus. Only one, only one lamb that could be slain. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us over in Revelation chapter 5, remember that they opened this book. When you, when you read the book of Revelation, there's a lot about book openings. When they opened the book, they found this written. They found this. The Bible talks about the book of life. Well, the Bible says that they were wondering and they said, who can even open this book? And it says they wept because no man was found worthy to open the book. And then it said, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> He's worthy to open the book and reveal what's on the inside. There may not be any other under heaven or earth and above but Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the lion, the tribe of the Judah, he's, he's able. He's worthy. The Bible tells us that he's the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? He's the payment. He is the payment for my sins. Nothing else can do it. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it. The blood of, of a sacrifice couldn't do it. That's why we sing that song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, it's interesting. And uh, I heard our pastor just saying this um, this last week. And uh, he was talking about how, and I've heard this before, many years ago in, um, in Great Britain, they had this, um, this guy come in and he's going to be an expert in church growth. How many know every expert's not an expert? Sometimes it's a little spurt, and not you know. And it's like Brother Hagen said he was criticized by experts. These little spurts don't bother me. And so, um, anyway, what happened is this guy came in and he said, "For you to have church growth, first of all, don't talk about the blood. You know, blood is like gory, and the blood is just. But the blood of Jesus is our redemption." If I can't talk about the blood, I don't want to be part of that church. <laughs> and so Jesus paid the price for my sin. Say this with me. He took my place. But sadly, many people won't accept the sacrifice that Jesus came to give humanity. But see, here's the thing. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't need it for himself. He did it for me. He did it for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, I also remember um, my pastor saying this, that 
he, he went to see the preview of the Passion of the Christ. Who remember Mel Gibson, Mad Max? He did uh, <laughs> put the uh, Passion of the Christ. And so, you know, honestly, we have not really seen a true picture of Jesus. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that he did not even resemble a man. You know, he didn't just have a, you know, just a, a bad day and, you know, his hair is messed up a little bit. He didn't even resemble a man. He was beaten beyond recognition. But he did that for you and I. But he said that they were, they were in um, showing of this movie, a preview. You know, a lot of times before it's to the general public, they'll, they'll have it to a, a group of people. So he said all these, there was a lot of ministers in there. And so at the end, he just stands up and he said, he's just like, it was me. I did it. I put him on the cross. It was my sin. And he said, he's just shouting. And at the end, he went up. He said, okay, uh, some of the people with him, <laughs> he said, okay, um, block, you know, form a little line around me. He said, block the um, security people. So he got up. He said, if you're in this place today and you, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he said, and the, the, here comes the security people in the theater. You know, they're trying to making a, making a noise. But we were in a place one time, Miss Gail did that. I remember a few years ago. And, uh, and she, she got down there and she was all, all happy and put her hands up, cupped up. And if you're in this place today, so that was, that was awesome, you know. Thank you, Lord. But he did it for me. Hallelujah. What a sad commentary that, that Jesus, what he did, he did for us, but people won't accept the free gift. Now I'm okay. You know, maybe another day. You know, I know as, as humans, we can be very good procrastinators, but this is one thing you never want to put off. Right. Serving Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that he's not a high priest that has to offer sacrifices continually. I'm going to read book, the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. Hebrews, or maybe it's 6. Hebrews, chapter 7. Listen to what the Bible says. Verse 22, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. The Bible tells us we have a better covenant than they had. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. How many know if you die, you can't keep continuing to do the, the office of the high priest? Go on, because you're dead. <laughs> but this man, because he continues for forever or ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to, to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. What is Jesus doing right now? You know, he's not just sitting next to the Father doing nothing. He says he ever lives to make intercession for them. Now, that doesn't mean just that he's praying for us, but intercession, that means he's standing in our place. So what's he saying? He's saying, I took their place. I took that. When we cry out for mercy, what does the mercy seat cry out? Say, I, 
the blood still speaks. That blood still speaks today. The Bible talks about the, um, a man named Abel, that his blood cried out. Well, let me tell you what, that blood still cries out today. And that blood cries not for judgment, but for mercy. For mercy. But Jesus offered himself as the final sacrifice. Listen, let me keep reading here. He says, for such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless. So he became just like us, a man. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice? First for his own sins. How I many? No, he didn't have sin, so he didn't have to offer it for himself. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law makes men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. So Jesus made the sacrifice once and for all. I don't have to go back and put myself on the cross. As I've said before, there's certain countries that they do that. They'll put themselves on the cross. And, and I'm talking about blood and everything. And so why would I want to do that when Jesus already took it for me? Amen. But Jesus is the final sacrifice. Church history tells us that Caiaphas, how many remember Caiaphas? He's the high priest. Church history tells us um, through different writings that Jesus appeared after his resurrection to Caiaphas. Now, how many know that might clear your sinuses right there? Here, here's somebody who's been raised from the dead, someone that you helped to, be, to die and to send him to Pilate and different ones. Herod was there. But Jesus appears to him. Now, you know he was dead. And here comes Jesus in a glorified body. Now, I don't think there was a halo over his head, but I, I'm sure there was the glory of God was on him. And, and I'm sure he was fearing and trembling. I'm sure his, his knees had fellowship one with the other. <laughs> I know I would. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I saw an angel last night. You, no, you didn't. You would be different. You wouldn't have that same look on your face. If an angel appeared to you, you, you would be different. There'd be a glow about you. You would talk differently. <laughs> How many know when Jacob had an encounter with an angel, things happened. He walked differently. I mean, it was a little bit unfair, really, when you think about it, not knocking your hip out of place. But he was forever changed because he wrestled with God. But he, here Jesus appeared to Caiaphas and said this, the last lamb has been slain. The last lamb has been slain. What does that mean? He was the last lamb. He was the one who took it forever. So from now on through eternity, there would never have to be the blood of bulls and goats. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9, 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once, everyone say once, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What's beautiful about that, if his, his victory is eternal, so is Satan's defeat, is eternal. For if the blood of bulls and of goats 
and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. If, if that works under that old covenant, how much more? I, sometimes I just like to shout about how much more. <laughs> how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. See, a lot of people, they stay in a place of condemnation. Well, you know, I just did so bad. I, I'm just paying for my sins. Well, I got news for you. Either you're paying for it or he is. And if you are, then he didn't. And you're going to go to hell. But, see, and what, what that means is I don't have to bear the guilt of it either. I don't have to bear the shame of it. I don't have to. Well, you know, I know what you did. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm righteous. See, I know the freedom in this. I know the freedom of the gospel. That I'm not the same man I used to be. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Except, you know, the big things, you know, they're just. No, all things. All things are become new. The Amplified says this, behold, the new and fresh has come. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I've quoted this before, but I remember uh, Jesse DePlantis. He preached this probably 30 years ago. And it's always stuck with me. And he preached a message about being a new creature with a new feature, with a new freedom, with a new future. How many know you're a new creature with a new feature, with a new freedom, with a new future? The Bible says if we only had hope in Christ in, in this life, we would be of men most miserable. If we just had hope, well, you know, we're going to have a good life now. But, you know, when it's all over, then we're just going to be blown to smithereens. You know that, that eternity is not about annihilation. That's, that's not, some, some people think, well, you know, when I die, it's going to be all over. Like they're going to be annihilated. But that's not the Bible. You will live forever. As a spirit being, one, you either go up or you go down, depending on what you do with the sacrifice. So say this again. He's my substitute. substitute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that he that believes on the Son hath life. Thank you, Lord. I think everyone knows John 3.16. We even had our kids in the kids' church. They, They did an awesome job and. Uh, the, the kids are doing phenomenal with their, their, their Bible um, memorization. and It's so awesome to see. But this is one of the first ones they had was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, we don't just mean like that, that you're going to live forever. It does include that, but see, the sinner lives forever as well. It's talking about a quality of life, everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten 
Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. I don't know about you, but I want to run to the light. If there's anything in me that's not right, Lord, burn it out. Lord, remove it. Take it out. Do an operation on me, Lord. Just whatever it takes. Hallelujah. You know, it's amazing when you read the book of Revelation, and there's people that even amidst all the curses, amidst all the plagues that are happening, like during the, uh, the tribulation time. Some people think we're living in the tribulation. We're not living in the tribulation. <laughs> but during that time, you see that people, even if you gave them a chance to repent, the Bible says that they repented not. Even when 70-pound stones of hell. Now, you know, around here we get hell storms and, the, and, and other kinds of crazy storms, you know. Sometimes with, looks like ice or something, I don't know. And uh, you get the little pellets and, well, just think of the Bible talks about hail formed in 70, 70 to 120 pounds and it coming down. Now, let me just tell you, if one of those hits you, you're done. <laughs> coming down from the sky. And the Bible says that people still would not repent for their deeds. Why? Because they're, they're that wicked. See, hell is not just made. The Bible says hell was not made for any man. It was made for the devil and his angels. But people choose to go there when they don't repent. Even if people in hell today could repent, there are some people that would not because they are so hell-bent, you could say. Why? Because they're wicked to the core. But thank God for the sacrifice. Hallelujah. You know, we have to remember that even as we're enjoying the comforts of being inside, that there are people in, in living on this earth, there are people that even as we speak that are in the heart of the earth. And I'm not talking about buried in a coffin. I'm talking about in hell itself. So that's why we have to tell people the good news. Hallelujah. So he took my place. His work was what we call vicarious. And that word vicarious means substitutionary. <clears throat> Amen. Like, a, you know, if you're, uh, now I know Wayne, he teaches uh, substitute teacher some. He's not the, that means he's just filling in, right? He's taking the place of that teacher for that day or that week. Well, the whole work of Jesus Christ is substitutionary. And I, I think of it like this. If I'm going to just receive one part, why not receive the whole thing? Have the whole enchilada. Amen. So Jesus died so I didn't have to. He received my punishment. Now, I'm not talking about physical death. If Jesus tarries, we'll all die physically, but he's talking about, I'm talking about uh, eternal death or spiritual death. Why? Because we deserve to die. We actually deserved the punishment. Have you ever heard somebody just say, well, you know, well, this happened to me. I don't know what's going on. You know, what did I ever do to deserve this? You know what the answer to that is? A lot. If you want to know what you deserve to get that, everything in your life, a lot. 
But I'm not depending on me getting what I deserve. Amen. Mercy is, is, is God coming in and me not getting what I deserve. And grace comes in and gives me what I didn't deserve. So mercy is me not getting what I was supposed to get. And grace is me getting what I wasn't supposed to get. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in John that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. But I deserve to die. I deserve the, ju- the judgment. Just like our pastor said, it was me. I'm the one who did it. I'm the one that put him on the cross. But you know what? When Jesus was on the cross, I was on his mind. When he was on the cross, I was on the, his mind. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know what, not what they do. You know, that's a prayer that sometimes might be hard to pray. Why? Because, Lord, they know exactly what they did. <laughs> well, no, they're, they're blinded by an outlaw spirit called Satan. But what Jesus did, he did for me. And he received my, my judgment. But now I'm restored back to the Father God. I want you to look over at 2 Corinthians. I know everyone gets all... Nice and dressed up for Easter, but if you um, make sure you have your shouting clothes on for this one. <laughs> if you ask me what my most favorite, or some people say favorite, verse, 2 Corinthians 5 17. Probably beyond anything else, and everything else is a close second. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, what's that talking about? That's talking about spiritually. That's talking about your, the inward man becoming a new creation. How many know if, if you had a Roman nose before, you have a Roman nose afterwards? If you don't have hair, you don't have hair afterwards. He's talking about the inward man, right? And all things are of God. Now, you can believe God that he'll... He'll fix those things too. Once you get, once you become a new creation, then you can and believe God that He'll He'll touch that too. Just a little side thought, Amen. <laughs> but notice He says, "All things are of God." What's He What's He's talking about? All things in the in this new birth are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Hallelujah. So what do we have? We have the, the ministry of telling people, you can come back to God. The ministry of reconciliation is not, you're a filthy sinner. It's not, you're going to die and go to hell. Well, most a lot of people know that, especially certain people you talk to and they say, Oh, I know I'm going to hell. Why? Well, I've done some bad stuff. Well, that's when you say, well, here's the good news. Jesus died for you. Jesus died on the cross that you don't have to have that, that you can be born again, that your sins can be washed away. The prison door is open. What are you still doing inside? (laughs) Hallelujah. So we have to tell people that they've been reconciled. I grew up in church for, for the first 14 years of my life, not even knowing that I could be reconciled to God. I didn't even know I was a bad person. I didn't even know that I was a sinner. 
Now, that's, and I believe that they, they were just doing all they knew to do, but I thank God for the day that when I heard that, you know, it's, it's good to, to know that you're a sinner. Because if you don't know that you are, then you won't try to change. It's good to know, you know what, I'm a bad rascal. You know, I'm, I'm a bad person. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm apart from him. The Bible says that my righteousness is as filthy rags. Do you know that's a true statement in yourself? My righteousness and my right standing with him is like a filthy, a filthy garment. We used to sing that song. I, I gave him my old tattered garments. He gave me a robe of pure white. Now I'm feasting on manna from heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But that's what Jesus gave us. So I want to um, just share a few things. Actually, before we get there, um, look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. In verse 9 it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. You know, that's one of my favorite. You know, you go through the different seasons in your life where the Lord impresses certain scriptures upon your heart. This is one for the last year that I've just, I read it every night before I go to bed. And you are complete in him. You know, no person's going to make you complete. You know, no, no boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife makes you complete. In fact, if you're not complete before you get married, then you're just going to bring another fragment to the equation. You, you're going to bring two broken people. But when you're complete in him, when I'm complete and I know, hey, I'm complete in Christ, then I can, you know, the Bible says that we're to love others as, as we love ourselves. Well, what if you don't like yourself? Your neighbor's in trouble. Right? <laughs> but, but God wants to make me whole. He wants to make me complete to where we were broken and, and where he, he made us whole. He made us to where we can, can shine for him. He says, you're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him. See, we're identified with him. Wherein also I'm risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. <clears throat> See, I have faith in the operation of God today that he raised Christ from the dead. Do you know that the greatest and mightiest show of power in the Bible was not the creation of the planets, but it was the raising up of Jesus Christ from the dead. You can, I won't take the time, but you can look and see. The Bible talks about the hand of the Lord, which is the Holy Ghost. And also we become the hand of the Lord as we uh, allow him to flow through us. The Bible talks about Jesus casting out spirits with the finger of God. See, we think of like, we think of big God and even bigger devil sometimes, people think. But when, when it comes to Jesus, Jesus said, if I cast out spirits by the finger of God, I think of it like this, like we used to make these paper footballs, my brother and I, and you just, you thump them. And um, flick them, thump them. But that's, what the de that's what the devil is to, to the power of God. In Jesus' name, come out. Just, that's it. Not, you know, we're going to struggle for 12 hours 
and ask the devil, you know, all these questions and who are your cousins? Where'd you come from? No, you don't talk to devils like that. You know, you, let me tell you what you do with devils. Shut up, come out. Amen. Shut up and come out does that, does that mean tell me more? Shut up and come out. That's how we deal with the enemy. <laughs> and notice he says here in verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. What is that? That's, that's, that's talking about the law. You know, the law was never made to make a man righteous. It's to show that he was a sinner. The handwriting ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Thank you, Lord. So I want to give you just real quickly this morning, because if I just say that we are identified with him and that he took my place, you think, oh, okay, that's nice. What does that really mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, he took my sin. He took my sin. What does that mean? That means that I am, he, he bore on his body all the sin of humanity. See, Jesus, it wasn't him dying physically that was such the big deal. Why? Because there was other people that died the same death. That was not a new thing. Many criminals died and it was, it was a horrible death. But what recoiled his spirit was the fact that he was going to be bearing, well, first of all, he was going to be separated from his father for the first time from eternity past. Now, we can't wrap our heads around that, but that's, that's what the Bible says. But also his spirit recoiled because he's going to be taking all the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And God the Father laid that on Jesus' spirit, laid it on him when he's on the cross. That's why I said it pleased God to bruise him. Now, we're not talking about the soldiers. We're not talking about the Roman soldiers beating him and bruising him. We're talking about God. See, you can see what they did, but you don't, you don't know what, what the Father did because he, he laid it on him. That's why he, the Bible says... <clears throat> That there was a darkness over the face of the earth from the ninth hour. We're talking about in the afternoon, pure darkness. God turned his face away from his son. But you know that was the plan of God because if he didn't, you know what God did? He sowed his son. Jesus sowed himself. Now he's the firstborn of many brethren. Well, you know who's the second and the third and the fourth? That's us. We're way down the line, but we're, the, we're part of that, that lineage. Can you say amen? amen? So number one, he took my sin. Number two, he took my guilt and shame. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Here's a scripture you need to, to have in your, your heart and mind. Romans 8, 1 through 2. Therefore, there is no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Do you know that condemnation is an outworking of death? Because it's working death in you. 
When you, when you have feelings of condemnation and guilt and just shame and just you feel bad. That's why I've said this before. You should never use the word shame on you because that's, that's the enemy. That's what the enemy wants you to do. I, I'm not here to shame anybody. I'm here to get people free from shame. No shame, no guilt. Yes, I did that. I repented, but now I'm forgiven. You're either forgiven or you're not. You're either cleansed or you're not. And you know what? If you came up and said, you know, Pastor Will, I heard that you, you did such and such. I might could find that in the back of my mind somewhere. But I forget those things that are behind. But you, couldn't make, you could not make me feel bad about it. You did that and you are a sorry rascal for doing that. You couldn't make me feel bad about it. Because I'm either forgiven or I'm not. He, he either took my place or he didn't. So, you know, for me to walk around with my pitiful works of trying to pay penance and, and you know, I'm just going to, oh God, I'm just going to crawl on the ground and just eat nails for a week. I'm just going to, showing you how much, cause you, why? Because Lord, I'm showing you how sorry I am for my sin. Well, you need to be sorry for your sin, but then repent and then receive your righteousness. See, a lot of people, they think, well, you know, I displease God. And then what they don't realize is they're still in a place of displeasing God by staying in condemnation. Amen. I don't make light of sin. I take it very seriously. But if, if, if I've missed it, I repent. And then the blood either cleansed me or it didn't. And now I'm free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And that's, that's why he says there's no condemnation. And, and the Greek actually is no, not one, none. So if there's not one and there's none, how much is there? It's clean. Hallelujah. And I wish I had more time to get into this, but <clears throat> Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, number three, he took my sicknesses. This is a huge part of the redemptive work of Jesus, that he took my sicknesses. See, some people, there's some people that just believe in predestination, but if they do believe that Jesus became their substitute at the cross, they only believe parts of it. They take their theological scalpel out and cut certain parts out. You know, we're not going to believe that part. Let's take this out. But Jesus, the Bible says, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, well, if, before that, it says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To those that believe the report. But I'm going to turn here, and uh, I'm not going to keep you forever, but I don't think there's going to be a huge line at the buffets today. <laughs> Isaiah 53 says this in verse 4. Surely... He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, or the Hebrew literally says bruise. Jesus was one big bruise. You know, when you hit somebody 39 times, it's just going to be one big welt, one big bruise. What does it say? With his stripes, we are healed. Now, see, people think, they say, you know, when we talk about the healing, 
People say, well, when did that happen? People say, well, it was on the cross. But it wasn't. It was at the whipping post. That's where we, the blood, when, when we talk about Jesus paying the price for our sin, yeah, that was on the cross. But actually, when he, before that, is when he received those 39 stripes. That was our healing. That was our wholeness. So for him to take all that, what if your friend took, took a beating for you? And then you said, you know what? Thanks, Terry, for taking that beating. Here, let me get in line next. Then I would be a, a foolish person. Jesus paid the price. Well, you know, I'm just suffering for Jesus' sake. A lot of people out of ignorance, they don't know. But, but you cannot take something that Jesus already took and suffer for his sake. See, there's things that we have to realize that Jesus did as our substitute and some things he did as our example. We're supposed to walk like he did as an example, but as far as paying the price for my sin, only one can do that. And he already did it. But I love this. He says, surely he hath borne our griefs. The Hebrew actually is the word sickness. And carried our sorrows, which is literally the word pains. Surely he hath borne my sicknesses and carried our pains. And if you go over to Matthew 8, 17, the Bible says, himself, as it is written, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. What is he doing? He's quoting what Isaiah said. So you just need to believe that today, that Jesus took my infirmities. This thing that I've been dealing with, I just say right now, it's evicted in Jesus' name. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. You need to say that over your life. I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by whose whose own self bear our sins in the body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. I'm healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, like I said, I wish I had a lot more time because you could preach a whole hour on this and a lot longer. (laughs) Hallelujah. But number four, this is the part of the, of, of, of the gospel as well. He took my poverty. He took my poverty. See, a lot of people, they draw the line there. Well, yeah, you've, yeah I believe that, that he took our sicknesses with um, our sins, but you, you're talking about that. God doesn't care about that. Well, the Bible says that Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. What's good news to the poor? Not that you be born again, but that you can have your needs met, that you don't have to be poor anymore. 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be poor as well. No, you through his poverty might be rich. That's part of redemption. See, if God can heal the physical body, don't you think he can take care of your needs? If God can tweak an organ, if God can, can fix a gland, a thyroid, a lung, disintegrate a growth, don't you think he can get, pay your rent? <laughs> Hallelujah. So I, I look at that. That's part of the substitutionary work. And then number five, he took my depression. 
He took my depression. Hallelujah. You know, that's part of the, that's part of the curse of the law. Miss Gail was talking about the curse of the law. You know, one of the, the, the parts of the curse of the law is losing your mind. The Bible talks about being crazed in the wits. Have you met anyone like that lately? Well, <laughs> no, but the Bible tells us that being crazed in the wits, being um, fearful and anxious, all those things are part of the curse of the law. So what does that mean for me today? That means I don't have to have it. Well, you know, that, that's just their personality. You know, they just, they just always worked up and always worried. Well, Jesus took that from me. Amen. I believe that in the days to come, you're going to pinch yourself. Maybe ask your spouse and they'll pinch you. But, but you'll pinch yourself and just say, you know what? I'm not the same person I am anymore. I used to be. The Bible tells, tells us in Nehemiah 8.10, Eat the fat, drink the sweet, send out portions. This day's holy unto you. For the joy, it says, neither be ye sorry. Now, grow up in the, growing up in the South, we use that phrase, and Matt knows what I'm saying. That's a sorry person. They're just sorry. You know what I'm saying? People used to say that. They're just sorry. Well, when he says, neither be ye sorry, it's, it's not talking about that. It's, it's talking about don't have a, a sad heart. Don't be depressed. Why? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want you to say it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us while we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. And now, where am I? See, don't, don't leave Jesus in the tomb. A lot of people leave him as a baby, so then he, he can't be the Lord of their life. Some people leave him in, in the grave, so he has no say-so. But how many know Jesus is not coming back as a babe? He's not coming back just as the risen Savior. He's coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And so his victory today is my victory. Thank you, Lord. Every head bow, every eye close. Just before we go today, I want to give this invitation and this call. If you're in this place and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've been in church before, maybe you've, you've come to church, but you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I've been preaching today, as I've been sharing this today, this message has gone off in your heart. And you say, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior but today, I want to make that commitment. Then we want to pray with you and for you. Or secondly, if you're in this place, and once upon a time you served God, but you went away from Him. You know, many times the things of life can come in. The things, uh, the hidden things even can come in. And, and can derail people. Pride. Unforgiveness, jealousy, lust, anger, the things of the world can come in. Even a bankruptcy or even a, a betrayal of a close friend or even a storm. You know, storms can come in and just totally 
derail people if they don't keep their focus on the Lord. But if that's you and you say, I want to come back to the Lord, then we want to pray with you and for you. Or thirdly, if you're in this place and you say, I want to make sure. There's, there's like a gnawing on the inside of me that just tells me that I'm not right with God, that I'm not good enough. I love the Lord, but I just, I want to make sure today on this, this celebration, on this Resurrection Sunday, as we celebrate everything Jesus did. If that's you with no one looking around, if you say, I want to come to the Lord, or, or secondly, I want to come back to Him, or I just want to make sure. If that's you, just raise your hand. No one's looking around. We want to pray with you and for you. Hallelujah. Amen. I see that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow, but today is the day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We want to do just what we said. Don't be bashful. If, if you raise your hand, then come to the front. We want to pray with you and for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible tells us Jesus died in public for us. How many know he wasn't, he wasn't ashamed? Hallelujah. And so what we don't, we don't want to be bashful to, uh, and, and ashamed to serve him. Can you say amen? The Bible tells us, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? If you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included in this prayer. As I look around, if, if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included and say, pray for me, then just raise your hand and then just come up here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is an awesome day. The Bible tells us that there's more joy in heaven over one person that repents than 99 people that don't need it. Everyone does. So you came, you came not to, to man, but you came to Jesus. You came to God. So just raise your right hand just as a, just as a form of surrender. You know, what, what, what happens when we go to, when a, hopefully this doesn't happen to, to everyone in here like often or ever. But what happens when they say stick, you know, not stick them up, but if, if they say hold, hold them up, you know, surrender. Hold your hands up. What is that? Surrender. So we just, we just, as an act of our surrender, we raise our hands to the Lord. That's what we do in worship. What is that in worship? It's just surrender. Lifting our hands without wrath and doubting. Hallelujah. So you came to the Lord. So just pray this with me. And everyone here, you can pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, you said, if I believe 
that you raised Jesus from the dead and confess him that I would be saved. So right now, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. And fill me. Lord, let me never be the same again. Lord, I turn my back on the past. And I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. From this day on, I belong to you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.